home of the best pens coverage. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. videos, no greed, no lies, and no horse manure. No one will ride their bike to the game accompanied by a camera crew. It's a levy on free zone. Tonight at PPG Paints Arena, we got hockey. We got the Penguins against the Capitals. The last two Stanley Cup champions. And we got nothing else. It is about time. God, it is about effing time. This is the Mark Madden Show. 412-333-9939 is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. I am live at Buford's on 5th Avenue, right across from PPG Paints Arena. Like I said, we got the pens and caps tonight. Ryan Dumoulin is said to be a game-time decision. If he can't go, it's the NHL debut of Juso Ricola. Hockey and the Penguins are so refreshing. It's just hockey. Somebody gets hit in the head once in a while, but that happens in football too. And maybe not tonight because no Tom Wilson. It's the Pens and Caps. Five cups against the last cups. It's going to be a big one. I might even go so far as to say it's going to be lit AF. The Caps raised their banner last night and didn't even mention Barry Trotz, last year's coach. He won the cup. That sucks. The Caps suck. More on that at 4 p.m. I'm very disappointed the Yankees beat the A's, but Andrew McCutcheon kept his streak alive. Nine career playoff games, no home runs, and no RBIs. Kutch isn't Mr. October, he's Mr. Bucktober. How about that play at third base by Hetzevaria? The Yankees forgotten, expiring. There's no new news on Le'Veon Bell, and thank God. I posted a blog today at the X website. That includes video on Fox Sports of Jason Whitlock and Marcellus Wiley debating whether or not Le'Veon Bell has won his holdout. I don't know how you judge that until he gets his new contract. Will Bell get what he wants? And will he make up the money he's losing now? Will he make that up on the back end? I'm totally sick of it, and the Steelers' best option is to trade him. You are insane if you believe Bell comes back and the Steelers win 9 out of 10. Absolutely nut bar if you think that. And we still don't know. We don't know for sure that Bell is coming back. He told ESPN Bell still hasn't told the Steelers. 
Maybe Bell will report to ESPN at the bye week and not the Steelers. Bell telling ESPN and not the Steelers is the height of arrogance. That's Bell telling the Steelers that he's the boss. There's a new trend of blaming Bell's agent and not Bell. Giving Bell an excuse. Making uh, Bakari, the agent, making him the bad guy. Dejon did that yesterday. I say frig that. Bell's agent is a hired extension of Bell. Bell has final say in everything. It looks like Mike Hilton will play Sunday. And the prevailing wisdom is that will help against Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons. Now think about that. People feel that Mike Hilton coming back will help the Steelers contain the best or second best receiver in the NFL. Yo, it's not Deion Sanders back in the lineup. It's Mike Hilton. But when it comes to the Steelers, Pittsburgh generates all kind of cockeyed optimism. We got Jerry Dulac on today to talk Steelers. And I want to talk about Mike Tomlin. No, I don't want to fire him like so many of you do in any way that's just not going to happen. But there is something I do want to know. I want to know if Mike Tomlin has a plan. I don't even need to know what the plan is. I just want to know if there is a plan, adjustment rather. Because I sense panic in the Steeler ranks. Mild panic, but panic nonetheless. Maybe confusion would be a better word. I hear nothing but empty platitudes at the Tomlin press conference, but the standard is the standard. The only change I've seen is never blitzing. That was in the game against Baltimore, and that didn't work. It sure did not work. They fall behind every game at home, always playing catch-up. It's like watching reruns of a bad sitcom. Unless I see a plan, I'm going to assume more of the same, and that'll lead to more of the same. Now, what would I do? I'd have already done it. I would have moved heaven and earth to replace Ryan Shazier during the offseason with somebody better than Bostick. Bostic ain't playing terrible. On that defense, he's actually pretty good, but he's not good enough. He's playing like Bostic and nothing close to what they lost in Ryan Shazier. Not that you could match that, but the Steelers should have made a roster move, trade up in the draft, whatever, to get closer than they did. Now, what would I do now? I'm not sure I see an answer. I don't see a fix on defense, and I don't know what's wrong with Ben and A.B., why they can't get on the same page. Lev Bell will help if he comes back. Still hasn't told him he is. But Lev Bell is not a cure-all. He won't make them win 9 out of 10, which is what they will likely need to do to make the playoffs once Bell does deign to join the Steelers for the remainder of the season. So I'd like to see evidence of a plan. If it's more of the same, like I just said, it's going to lead to more of the same. I don't need to know the plan. I just want to know there is one. But I don't suspect there is. I was on Twitter earlier. Oh, by the way, I I, I blew a great Twitter up. Rather, it was blown for me. The Steelers tweeted out a photo of Antonio Brown with 
Pirate pitchers Jamison Tyon and Joe Musgrove. And I retweeted it and captioned it, not a ring between them. But Musgrove did win a wing with Houston last year. Shame on him. That effed up a marvelous tweeting opportunity for me. Now, when I talked on Twitter, as I did to open the show, about how refreshing it is that hockey has no drama, as opposed to football. You know what I got told, don't you? Oh, you got to know what I got told. There's fat-ass Madden being a racist again because the football players are black. Yo, hockey isn't better because the players are white. It's better because they're not entitled jerks like football players are. Ain't no black, ain't no white, not for me. Football players are entitled jerks. The minute they stand out in high school, they are trained to be entitled jerks. Put on a pedestal immediately. Hockey players ride the bus. Football players get put on a pedestal. Hockey is great. Football sucks. I'm excited to see hockey tonight. The Steelers make me want to puke. And it's got nothing to do with race and everything to do with how people behave and what makes me nauseous. On a lighter note, Hockey writer's been saying the Penguins haven't solved their depth problem. I read literally two or three, maybe four articles saying that. I don't see it that way. I think this is a very deep Penguins team, maybe Rutherford's deepest. And here's the proof that's in that pudding. Last season, the Penguins opened up with Greg McCaig and Carter Rowney as the third and fourth line centers. This year, it's Derek Broussard and Riley Shane with Matt Cullen and Derek Grant in reserve. It's a center's league. The Penguins got six legitimate NHL centers. They got a third liner who could be a second liner, a fourth liner who could be a third liner. And when it comes to depth, that is all the people need to know. We have a terrific show planned for you today. We'll talk with Jerry Dulac. He covers the Steelers for the Post-Gazette. That's at 3.30. And we'll talk to Josh Joey from TheAthletic.com about the Penguins at 4.30. Then at 5.30, brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman, the much-anticipated return of Subway Hockey Night. And if you didn't hear that Chris Letang interview early in the show yesterday, it was brilliant, by the way. You can hear it tonight during Subway Hockey Night, which kicks off at 5.30 and runs till 6, leading into Penguins pregame coverage, the Penguins Network, and then the Penguins and the Caps. Here all the action with no pot suspensions. I mean, I drove by the players' parking lot. I didn't see a bicycle. I didn't see a helicopter. I didn't see a camera crew. I didn't see a Bentley that was painted black and gold. These athletes clearly do not have their priorities in order. And no camera crews either to document them bicycling into the arena. What are these guys thinking? 105.9 The X. This is Carl Hagelin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Double M on the X, live at Buford's Fifth Avenue, all the way up at the top floor because the cream rises to the top. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's get those hockey calls coming in. And let's talk about Daniel Sprong. I got a new perspective on Sprong 
playing fourth line with the Penguins. He's not a fourth line right wing. His style and his talent dictate better. And he will get better, just not now. Sprong is insurance for when the injuries come. Hornquist gets hurt, Sprong moves up. Kessel gets hurt, Sprong moves up. The depth on the Penguins is just crazy. The Stars aren't quite what they were production-wise. Almost nobody is. That's how it is in hockey. 9 out of 10, 99 out of 100, or whatever. McDavid and not many else, but it's tough to get 100 points in hockey in this era. But now for the Penguins, depth is a talking point like never before. Not since the Lemieux Cup teams, anyway, have the Penguins had such depth, and that was without a cap. Like I said, if Hornquist gets hurt or Kessel pop in Sprung, he goes up the depth chart. He's not as good, but plays the right way, has potential, and that's how stars get born of that opportunity. Simone's a jack-of-all-trades guy. I'm not yet totally sold on him. Jake Gensel is a discussion point. During the regular season last year, Gensel was inconsistent and he looked kind of tired. During the playoffs, he was a killer. Just wiped out the Flyers and God bless Jake Gensel for that. There was probably a bit of fatigue there. Sophomore jinx too. So this is a big year for Gensel. Sid needs him to be a bit better. Gensel's the perfect line mate for Sid. Sid thinks like a coach, plays like a coach, and Gensel's a coach's kid. But Gensel needs more consistency. That said, I'm definitely a believer. Derek Broussard is a discussion point. He's got talent. He's not hurt anymore. But the question is, can Broussard prorate what he did in 20 minutes with his other teams playing 14 minutes per game or thereabouts with the Penguins. Can Broussard do it, and can he accept doing it? I think for Derek Broussard, who's a hell of a player and a hell of a guy, I think that's more a mental thing than anything else. By the way, uh, Sid told the Post-Gazette that he's going to play at least through the end of his contract which I think is 2025. So no holdouts, no suspensions, no demands to be traded. I love Sid, and I love hockey. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I'm serious. I'm getting roasted on Twitter, but, but I want to know what the Steelers' plan is to get this straightened out. Maybe Jerry Dulac can shed some light when he joins me in about seven or eight minutes. But uh, more of the same will lead to more of the same. It's the now-clichéd Einstein quote. If you do the same thing over and over again, don't be surprised when you get the same result. I, I do feel for Tomlin and for the coordinators, especially Randy Fickner on offense, because... They've not had a chance to establish the running game because they've trailed so much and so early in the home games anyway this season. 
And also, even if you do establish the run, I'm not sure you're going to get what you want, what you need, with James Conner as your number one back. And if I'm beating a dead horse, that's because it's the only horse the Steelers uh, are choosing to ride at running back to this point. you got to look at what the Baltimoreans did with their game plan on Sunday when they beat Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. They weren't particularly effective running the ball, but they did it, I think, 29, 30 times, and it opened up the pass. Running the ball for yardage, that, that helps, don't get me wrong, but it's the threat. Commitment equals threat equals more for the defense to worry about equals better passing in a passing league. 412 As I mentioned, uh, the Yankees beat the A's last night. I'm very sad about that. You know who's going to be in the mind for the Yankees? Friday at Fenway, game one of the ALDS. Jay Happ. Pirates probably should have kept the, the, him, but uh, then he wouldn't be getting to pitch in the playoffs. So good for Jay Happ. I am not rooting for either team in that series. I'm rooting for, well, I can't wish for anything involving machine guns, so I'll just ignore it. That's what I should do more often is ignore stuff. I won't get into sticky wickets the more I ignore stuff. And for the record, I don't believe anybody should use a machine gun ever. I want to make that very clear. 412-333-9939. No, I mean... This Yankees-Red Sox thing is already being blown out of friggin' proportion. And you know what? Even though the Yankees won, they won. They won their one-game series. Well, the Cubs lost, and if the Yankees would have lost, they need to make the wild card round best of three, best of five, best of seven, best of nine, best of 11. Even though logistically it makes no sense to make it anything more than one game because then you're penalizing the division winners. I don't like a ton about the way baseball is, but I like the playoff format. Keep it exactly how it be. Up next, Jerry Dulac to talk Steelers 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? Super genius, how are you? Terrific. Is porn stars practice? Nope, they never have sex unless it's on video. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he covers the Steelers in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. You can hear him on the Steelers Radio Network before games on DVE. He is Jerry Dulac. Jerry, let me start with a cliched question. What's going to ultimately happen with Le'Veon Bell, who, to my understanding, still has not told the Steelers he's coming back? No, Mark, he hasn't told anybody. He hasn't from the beginning. The only time he said anything, the only person he told he's coming back, apparently, is uh, Jeremy Fowler from uh, ESPN. Uh, he hasn't told told anybody in official capacity, and at some point, of course, he's going to have to because before he can do anything, he has to come in and take a physical. So at some point in time, he's going to have to let them know. And you know, if if he's coming in during the bye, well, guess what? That's not that far away. So sometime in the next within the next two weeks, if he's coming in, he's going to have to let someone know so they can ar- arrange a physical and and mark see if he passes. If the Steelers are one four and one, or even two three and one, going into the bye, Jared, what's the point of bringing Bell back? He's not going to rally them to win nine out of ten. 
No, Mark, and, and regardless of what their record is, he's not going to rally them in any form because um, there is just there is just no way after how long it took him to get into some semblance of, of you know of, of the old Le'Veon Bell last year missing training camp. Now you miss two training camps and the first six or seven games of the season, or however many it will turn out to be. Because Mark, there's no guarantee he's going to come in when he said he's going to come in because he's already done that twice and, and failed to show up. So, um, I, you know, he's, he's going to come in, and it's going to be a slow process. Um, they're not going to throw him right back into the starting lineup unless there's injuries and they have nobody else to use. Uh, so it's not like he's going to come in and all of a sudden make some impact on the team that's going to turn their fortunes around if they're struggling. All that's true, Jer, and which begs the question, why even bring him back? I think the best thing they could do is to trade him, and even if you do get just a third-round pick now instead of a third-round pick later, you save some money and you just wrap up this chapter. Right, Mark, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I love when people start asking me questions about the transition tag next year and, and you know, you can do this and maybe let some other team make an offer and you could, you know, decide if you want to match it or trade them. They don't want to go through this process again with him. That's lunacy. Uh, at this point in time, uh, you know, however this plays out here in the next couple weeks or months, um, uh, they uh, they will wash their hands uh, of Le'Veon Bell unless some bizarre circumstance occurs. And uh, I'm with you. Um, but, you know, what I think and what you think may not be what they think, but um, I wouldn't sit there and just think that the Steelers are going to welcome him back, pay him his $853,000 a week, and think that, uh, you know, well, it's, it's as though he's coming back from injury. I don't think that's going to be the case. Why aren't Ben and A.B. on the same page, Jer? That kind of sums up the Steelers' discombobulation, doesn't it? Yeah, Mark, and mainly where it is is on the mid- to deep-range pass. You know, obviously the short passes, they're the, they're the same. Nothing's changed there. I really, you know, I talked to enough different people um, they really don't think any of the coverages have changed. You know, he still sees the safety over the top, and you see the occasional bracketing with two guys, and, you know, like on the two-point conversion play where they just have two guys on him in that short space, and they're not going to let him catch the ball. Um, but, you know, Mark, it, it could be, I, you know, part of it, let's face it, uh, as productive as Ben has been, um, you know, some of his accuracy has been has been off because um, we see him throwing high and wide on a lot of passes, especially more down the field. You haven't seen too many deep passes all, either connect or almost connect. They really haven't even uh, been good opportunities to even touch the ball, let alone catch it. Um, and part of it could be, you know, Antonio Brown missed the entire preseason mark he had that hip slash groin injury, and uh, you know maybe maybe that's affecting uh, you know him coming out of a break. Maybe more importantly, gaining some separation. Um, it, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to pinpoint. Um, but there's no question it, they haven't. Uh, it hasn't been clicking. I mean, there's you know the numbers are decent for Antonio Brown, but not the yards per catch and not and not the big plays. Yeah, he has three touchdowns and uh, two of those. He's made outstanding plays, um, but we just haven't. It just hasn't been the same Antonio Brown, and that's why it has everybody uh, alarmed. 
How much of a problem is the Steelers' offense being so one-dimensional? And I realize that's dictated by how quick and far they fall behind. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But you know what, too, Mark? I, I think some of that is, is overstated because in the games in which they've fallen behind, they've come back to tie the game, and now you're starting from 0-0, zero, zero, and there's no reason you shouldn't be able to run the ball, uh, you know, uh, when it's 14-14 or 21-21 or 28-28, as has been the case in these games when they've rallied from, uh, from behind. So, uh, plus, not only that, when teams, uh, if they know you're going to throw the ball, guess what? That should open up the running lanes because they're sitting for the pass, and, and they haven't even been able to do that. Now, short of the 27- and 17-yard run in Tampa in the last five minutes when they were trying to close it out, those were big moments for the run game uh, for James Conner. I thought that, that they might be able to build on that a little bit, and then you saw what happened this past week again. And uh, I'm not sure where the blame lies whether it's the holes aren't there or James Conner's not finding them or hitting them. Um, but whatever the case may be, they certainly haven't been able to run the ball short of the first game, the first three quarters in Cleveland, and then those two runs in Tampa. We're talking to Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette here on 105.9 The X. Jerry, why do the Steelers so often come out flat? Uh, here's an amazing stat I know you're aware of. They have trailed by a cumulative 49-0 in the last three home games. Yeah, it's 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 numbing, Mark. And then even even if you just look at this year, they've been outscored in the first quarter, forty-two to six. I mean, the forty-nine to nothing in three home games in the first quarter is is almost unfathomable. And you know, it's it's just been it's been a couple little things. Obviously, they haven't started well offensively. They haven't started well defensively. Uh, you you know, in, uh, you get the you get the turnover in, in Kansas City. You get the Vance McDonald strip fumble uh, uh, last week. Those get converted into touchdowns, and, and, and you know it, it, they happen. They happen so quickly, uh, you know, with those scores piling up against them like that. And um, I, I don't know, you know, you, what do you do? Do you sit there and say, "Hey, we need to start faster"? Well, no question. But I don't know how you. I don't think they're going out. You know, Mike Tomlin alluded this the other day. He talked about the, you know, the defense can't warm up to the opposition meaning just come out and we'll feel them out um well that then that to me then that goes to the Steelers dictating the pace and that and part of the problem I have Mark with their sacks you know they led the league in sacks last year but if you look and maybe this stat isn't that surprising but six almost 65 to 70 percent of their uh, sacks came in the second half And, and typically maybe that's the case because teams get behind they start throwing and teams start coming after them a little bit more. But I would like to see the Steelers dictate the pace a little more with their pressure right off the bat and come out a little bit more uh, aggressively minded, you know, in terms of pressure instead of waiting to see how the game unfolds. Dictate to them what you're going to do. Don't sit back and, and, and wait and see how they're going to try to attack you. Well, in that vein, Jerry, do you feel like Tomlin has a plan or any changes or adjustments afoot? I don't see it. I certainly didn't in the game against Baltimore, and I sense a bit of confusion, to be honest. Well, Mark, I, I, I'll tell you, no, I, I don't know. You know, when you look at what they have, I don't know what the answer is. It isn't like they have an injury, and, and let's say they're missing a, a uh, you know, a, a, a Joey Porter or, you know, uh, 
you know, somebody like that, a Chad Brown, a Jason, uh, Jason Gilden, a Cam Hayward, that isn't the case. They have healthy bodies in there. They have their, quote, sack guys or defenders uh, on the field. So from that standpoint, I don't know what you do differently. I will say this. One of the things that I'm surprised at, and to me is not working right now, is this new rotation that the uh, new defensive line coach, Carl Dunbar, has uh, uh, installed. And, and it has Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt coming out of the game in the first quarter, sometimes the first series. They really don't want guys going more than four consecutive plays on a series. So you look at the last game in Baltimore. Cam Hayward, their all-pro defensive end, who had 12 sacks. He's your leading sacker last year. He didn't play 20 of the whatever the number was. He didn't play 20 of the snaps against Baltimore. Now, how do you do that? And so I don't agree with that. I know the concept is we want him fresh for the fourth quarter. We want him fresh later in the season. I get that. Ideally, that sounds very nice. But in the short term, it might be affecting you when you're 1-2-1 one, and, one and not pressuring the quarterback enough. So that's one of the things, I mean, you know, that I think I'm not saying should change, but to me, I think they need to change right now. No, uh, you're right on the money with that, Jaron. Staying with uh, the defense, to me, the biggest problem is even the good players are invisible. You, you mentioned Hayward and, and Tuitt. T.J. Watt's done nothing since week one. Joe Hayden's right. mostly good, but he's gotten beat for some big balls. The good players aren't doing it. No, Yeah, and, and I think, Mark, what's happening, too, when you look up front, um, and, and Baltimore did this a lot. They max protected a lot. You know, they doubled uh, Cam, and they doubled Stephon to it. And basically what they're saying is, we trust our other guys to beat your guys one-on-one. And those are the battles that somewhere along the line, you're better players. You know, when hey, Javon Hargrave has two sacks. He leads the linemen in sacks. But your outside guys have to win their battles, those one-on-one battles, because they're not using, for the most part, the running back or the extra tight end or whatever to chip on those guys. Oh, occasionally, depending on down and distance. But you're seeing them try to take away Cam for sure and even to it and then saying, okay, we'll dare you to beat us with your other guys. And, and that's not happening. And I, and, um, I, I think that's one of the biggest problems uh, that they have. And, and, Mark, you know my feeling about the linebackers. It's just an average unit. And uh, when you have a 34 defense, you can't have average linebackers and that's what they have, and that's the biggest weakness on this football team. I know that Mike Hilton's coming back, but how right. on earth are they going to contain Julio Jones and Matt Ryan on Sunday at Heinz Field? Uh, that game could easily wind up 56-52. to 52. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I'm surprised that, you know, I only know this because somebody told me, I'm not a betting guy, that the over-under on the game is 57. I'm, I'm shocked. I thought it would be more like 67 than, than 57 if I heard somebody correctly. But, yeah, you know, I, you know, when you have a Julio Jones, it opens up other, other, other opportunities. You know, Mohamed Sanu is a proven receiver. He was, with, uh, he was with the Bengals. He benefited from the presence of A.J. Green, but he is a physical, tough receiver. They drafted Calvin Ridley, number one. He only has 20, well, I say only, he has 21 catches, but six touchdowns. And so, and then Julio Jones is just a beast. You know, Mark, you could sit there and compare the numbers of Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, which I am doing for a, a, a Sunday story. And Antonio Brown's numbers, as we all know, are just off the charts. They're the best in NFL history. They're better than even Julio Jones's number. 
But if you threw their names on the table and you were a startup franchise or told 32 teams, okay, pick one of these receivers, um, I think 25 of them would t- at least would take Julio Jones because he's your prototypical receiver. He's 6'3", 220, 225, and is fast and quick with great hands. So, I mean, you know, this guy has it all. If you had to, you know, uh, feed measurables into a computer and spit out a wide receiver, they would spit out Julio Jones. So, uh, yeah, how do you stop him? Uh, you know, you just, as they always say, you just hope to contain them, Mark. But they got other receivers, including their tight end. They they can hurt them with uh, with a quarterback like Matt Ryan. I'm with you. I could I could see this being a high scoring game. Finally, Jer, uh, this is a must win game for Pittsburgh, isn't it? Uh, yeah. One yeah. three and one feels like a death sentence. Yeah, Mark, you're right. And here's the other thing too. Let's look at the the converse. So you win this game. You've now lost three in a row at home, and you've given up a boatload of points. So you can't have that trend continue. So now you win this game, and maybe you go to Cincinnati, and you do what you always do. You win in Paul Brown Stadium, and you're 3-2-1 and one going into the bye. Well, that doesn't feel so bad. But if you lose the game, and then, you know, who knows, Cincinnati's playing well. What happens there? Then then you're really in trouble. So to me, a big key will be starting it, uh, you know, starting it against Atlanta, and then, you know, maybe going in and doing what you always do in Cincinnati and putting yourself at least back on some firm ground where, you know, you could you can make some run and, and, and have a better start to the second quarter of the season. You know, go 4-0. They have to at least go 3-1 and in this quarter. This is Chris Letang of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. I got a game plan for after the uh, Penguins-Caps matchup tonight. I'm going to go into Penguins' locker room and get in Sidney Crosby's face and say, Hey, Sid, why aren't you lit? Because Sid needs to be lit AF. I think that's effing obvious. No quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at cwelectricalservices.com. Today is National Vodka Day, National Taco Day, and National Poetry Day. That's quite the hat trick. Uh, Plan the day wisely. You're going to get involved in all three. I would recommend poetry first, taco second, vodka third. Then again... If you went vodka first, taco second, vodka third, and then poetry after that, who knows what odd yet compelling works your mind might churn out. Penguins and Caps tonight, we're going to talk about the Capitals kind of being a low-rent organization. That's just around the corner. Winning a Stanley Cup doesn't guarantee you'll act like champions and the Caps proved last night with their banner ceremony and what they said about the Wilson suspension well they're certainly not where the Penguins were after winning any of their five cups Uh, Vegas plays the Flyers and some uh, I retweeted this some bar in Vegas put up a sign Why do the Flyers drink from saucers? Because they haven't had a cup in 40 years. And 
That's funny if you do it in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has five Stanley Cups since the Flyers last won in 1975. But I was a little tired of Vegas last year. I'm a lot tired of Vegas this year. I, I like Flurry. I like Engo. Uh, James Neal's gone, but he's, you know, one of my boys. Been... Vegas acts like it invented hockey. The Flyers have no cup since 1975, but Vegas didn't win last year. They got to the final, which was a monumental achievement for an expansion team, but somebody remind them they didn't win. There are certain jokes teams that have won can make. There are certain times a team that's one year old should please just shut the hell up. Hockey tonight, PPG Paints Arena. Somebody in Pittsburgh say something about getting fired up. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why the Washington Capitals are a real good hockey team, but a low-rent organization. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's, 105.9 The X.